Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast, hosted by Matt Hallisey and Al Horn. This is the only entrepreneurial podcast that helps you take the most important step to finally achieving financial and personal freedom. What is that step? Well, it's the very next step you need to take. It doesn't matter whether you've started a business but aren't profitable, or you've only just now thought about starting a business for the first time. You can design your new life in just a short period of time. We both started multiple profitable businesses, and we're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of. The crazy thing is you don't need to be especially talented, experienced, smart, or even lucky to make this happen. You just have to take the first step that's in front of you. So grab a drink and join us while we discuss our own journeys from working for other people as employees to living our dream lifestyle as business owners. We share our successes, our failures, and the simple formula we've discovered to go from starting from nothing to having our own profitable business in just a short period of time. We're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of but we're always scared to go after. Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast. So let's let's get into our uh, our episode today. <clears throat> so we're going to talk. Uh, we're we're yeah. recording this right before the new year. This is going to come out. Right, I mean, literally, probably New Year's Eve, and we're going to be talking about the year in review, lessons learned in 2000, and kind of just generally looking forward to next year. Um, you know, kind of how we're approaching next year, what we see, what we're looking at, and our thoughts on it. So. One of the things, mm-hmm. and I'll just jump mm-hmm. in right now, and you can jump in as well uh, as you see fit. Um, 2020 was kind of a crazy year. Um, everybody, you know, <laughs> was making the joke 2020, you know, on New Year's Eve, you know, you had the ball going to New York City, 2020, everybody was, the 2020 vision jokes were like, we're getting old really quickly. And uh, I managed to fit in a trip to Egypt right before COVID hit. <laughs> in fact we left and it was like the first few cases of covid hit san diego because they were storing covid um <clears throat> patients i don't know if you remember this they they were storing them for lack of a better term on the military base over at miramar that's how hmm. crazy it was so if you got covid and you flew in they quarantined you on a military base and so right around that same time, we flew out to Egypt. We were there for, I don't know, a little over two weeks. And one of the people on the bus there got sent to the hospital and they drained four quarts, uh, four quarts of fluid from her lungs or four liters. Wow. Uh, maybe not quarts because they don't go quarts in, in Egypt. Um, no. And we're all on the bus thinking, dude, if she has COVID, we're so screwed. Like we're going to be pissed off. Uh, we ended up going to Luxor and little did we know one of the boats near us, I don't know if it was a boat we ever walked on, but one of the boats near us had a COVID breakout and they quarantined all their, um, they quarantined all their passengers on the boat, which sounds okay. But if you've ever been on a riverboat in Egypt, you understand this is not a long-term thing. Like you do not want to be in your room long-term on a boat there, but we didn't find that out for a month. You know, you know what the main problem, the main problem, Matt. You know what the main problem on that riverboat was? What? In Egypt. They were in denial. Yes. They were not only in denial, they were on denial too. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a giant pyramid scheme that you're going to go out (laughs) with. 
And the crazy <laughs> thing is the longer on the boat, it just seems like the sands of time just move slower and slower. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah. Did so everyone have dessert? <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> we had too much dessert was the problem. We started whining yes. later in the day. <laughs> um, which in a Muslim country is saying a lot because they generally don't allow you to have alcohol there. Um, but yeah, so we ended up flying, flying back. They had two security checkpoints in Frankfurt because of COVID. Um, and then we got back and everything changed. And all of a sudden it's like, I mean, COVID started. You had lockdowns and runs on masks and toilet paper and everything. And, you know, remember 15 days to stop the spread? <laughs> No, I don't remember that. But yeah, it when, they first, when they first started the lockdowns, the, 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 the rationale behind it was we're going to lock everything down for two weeks and we're going to stop the spread. Like that was the whole idea. And then we'll just pick stuff back up. And so they closed mm -hmm. businesses. They came up with the term essential businesses, which were designed only to um, essential to operate for that 15 days. That's where the term essential business came from. So grocery stores, mm -hmm. because you didn't want to disrupt food distribution, uh, hospitals, police department, that type of thing. And here we are, it's going to be probably mm -hmm. 15 months. And you have people starting yes. to do civil disobedience and just, you know, they had one guy in Covina yesterday. I don't know if you heard about this. The health inspector, you know, pulled up in front of his, his restaurant. And so he took his pickup truck and boxed the person in. And so he wouldn't mm -hmm. let the health inspector out. And he said, yeah, if I don't work, if I don't get to work, she doesn't get to work. And uh, it was a standoff for like a good two hours. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of crazy world we live in. So, <clears throat> you know, that's kind of, you know, obviously it's 2020 that, you know, I was joking that like New York City shouldn't even put the ball up <laughs> or it should just drop the ball and have instead of the ball instead of the, the the crystal ball lighting up it should just drop the ball and have a poo emoji or a toilet at the bottom like that would be probably the more oh. relevant new year's eve just to officially wow. put to new year's eve maybe you have 2020 drop but then you have 21 2021 drop but you also have 2020 drop as well right into a toilet and you could just see it flush because nobody wants to see uh nobody wants to see a year like this again yeah. Well, I think probably the most appropriate thing would to have the ball come down and when he hits the bottom, it just shatters into a billion pieces. So that, there we that would be pretty it, good. You know. Yeah. Like forget about that 2021. Yeah. yeah. Take the 2020 yeah. ball from last year and maybe just <laughs> explode it. Just to like <laughs> have it. that guy, have blow that guy it. from Nashville handle it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I, yesterday, last night I was looking on Netflix for something to watch and there was a, a show, uh, called the death to 2020. <clears throat> and, uh, it was by the same people that produced black mirror, which is, you know, that weird sci-fi show, yeah, yeah, the British show, whatever it showed, it showed as a, uh, sort of a, an opening graphic, uh, a, a dumpster with fire coming out of it. It was, you know, Basically, what they're saying is 2020 was a dumpster fire. And so they started, they had like fake interviews with celebrities who were pretending to be 
a variety of different types of people, caricatures, if you will, you know, the Queen of England and so forth and so on. And, uh, you know, they, they talked about uh, what was happening uh, in 2020, so to speak, but, you know, they also included the, the Black Lives Matter and the, the protests and the riots and, uh, and uh, you know, all the great things that happened in 2020 that were just amazing, uh, amazing 24 seven media coverage of everything and uh, the pulling down of the statues, all that kind of stuff they included. I got about halfway through it and I said, okay, that's enough. I, I get it. Um, so it's kind of like uh, good news, bad news, you know. Uh, my ex-girlfriend used to, I would say something and my ex-girlfriend used to say, good for some, bad for others. So that's kind of how I feel about 2020. If you, if you waited till the stock market bottomed out and then bought in to the right stocks, <clears throat> you're actually sitting pretty right now. I know that's your wheelhouse, uh, that whole stock thing. I don't, I don't really participate, but um, so there's that as, as far as, Hey, the good news, um, I guess the money has to go somewhere and people are sitting around playing with their Robinhood app, trying to figure out why they should invest in Hertz, which has gone bankrupt and all kinds of crazy, weird stuff that happens in that arena. But, um, I, I'm sure a lot of people jumped out of the market, like, uh, like a, a boat was sinking and they were rats and, uh, then they just said, oh, oh, wait, no, man, I think we need to get back on that boat. So they all jumped, a lot of them jumped back on the boat. And many people with 401ks and retirement and stuff are breathing a sigh of relief, assuming they didn't sell everything and invested in gold or whatever. Um, I have friends that invested in Bitcoin and are very pleased with themselves, uh, and so forth and so on. So it, it, that's been sort of good news. Um, the bad news is, <clears throat> I think the worst of it is uh, that all these businesses who, you know, entrepreneurs, small businesses are all uh, sinking and uh, a few have managed to survive by, by taking advantage of technology you know, going virtual, delivering, Amazon's doing well. Um, but a lot of small businesses, uh, small and even medium-sized businesses, uh, and even large businesses, if you count restaurant and entertainment, are biting the big one on this. And I don't see them coming back. And, uh, and that's the way it is sometimes in business. Um, there are a lot of businesses where the, the, the person that's running it, it's been a family business for years or generations. And uh, they, they're just hanging on, hanging on out of sheer grit. And then something like this comes along and they just can't hang on any longer. Now, what happens to these people? Um, Sure, I, I guess they can get some money from the government to survive for a little while, but then what happens? And there's this rippling effect. Those people aren't spending money doing things. Those, those people owed money to people. Those people they owed money to owed money to people. And uh, you have this rippling effect with people not paying their mortgages, people not paying their rents, people not paying their taxes, people not, the, it starts to stagnate. 
Um, so the government's answer seems like, and this has just been confirmed, the government's answer to this is, well, let's just send trillions of dollars to people that we like. And in order to justify that, we'll send a little bit of money to people that are just average, average people. So if you think about it, their, um, they're um, uh, basically saying, the way I look at it is they're basically bribing the American public by saying, look, we'll send you $2,000 each. We're not there yet. We're if not there you yet. let us send, huh? Almost there. So we're it, not we'll quite. send a certain amount of money. Not quite there. Yeah. But, no. Uh, we'll send a certain amount of money to everybody if you let us send another tri trillions of dollars to people that we we need to send money to that have helped us. So the politicians are basically bribing the American public by giving them a little bit of money so they can give a lot more money to people that they want to give money to. Um, that's weird. So I think that the, 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 it's just, it's too weird really. Um, I don't think that technology is gonna save us from this whole situation. If people can't get together and uh, and every time they do get together, it creates another, another uh, what do they call it? Um, you know, everything, every, everything increases and more people die. And uh, so 2020, you know, it's just, it, I, I really do feel like it's been, it's been incredibly bad for, a lot of people and okay for some. And uh, I don't think the one, I don't think the one tenth of the 1% or the 1% are worried too much about it, but they, they the people out there that don't have, uh, don't have anything in the bank, uh, don't, you know, are, are basically relying on, on living in a place where they have to pay an expensive amount of rent, they don't have any money coming in, uh, or they have other health issues. I feel really, really bad for these people. Um, when I saw what was coming, I hunkered down. So I went out and uh, I did go out and stock up on some essentials that I felt were really important to have, uh, mostly out of a, a sense of fear where I might not be able to get this stuff. But uh, a good deal of my, of my income did go away as a result of this uh, situation. Uh, some passive income streams that I had coming in went away. But um, I hunkered down and uh, just figured I was going to ride this out and see what happens. And I, so I've been relatively safe and, and not really super stressed. Um, it's been a little difficult not being the social person and animal that I was before, so to speak, but I've always had a, a tendency to want to be more of an introvert anyway. So this gave me a chance to just explore my uh, solitariness, if you will.
<laughs> just focus on on that and and focus on my my coaching business and uh, and so forth. So I think you know that that it's like the people who can deal with it have the most trouble dealing with it are being hurt the most. And uh, other than that. Um, I don't know what else to say about 2020, except I hope 2021 is going to be better. And I, I have a feeling like it might, at least there's some optimism. Yeah, I think for 2020, I think some, a couple lessons that I learned on it was, um, and it was really interesting early on, I kind of felt like <clears throat> I, I was really surprised because I was actually able to do this pretty well initially was just the importance of reinforcing um, the ability to predict the near future. So not what's happening now, but what's happening, not what's happening in a month or two necessarily, but what's happening in the next 15 days. So, you know, early on when they were talking about it being a pandemic and moving it on, I realized like, all right, you know, we need to get masks really quickly. And so the supply chain at the time for N95 masks was not generally in bulk, um, especially on the retail mm -hmm. supply chain. <clears throat> and it wasn't, you know, so like if you went to Home Depot, you'd see M95 masks and they would sell, you know, a pack of three of them. But as soon as they got those in, they'd sell out. It was funny. I remember one Saturday morning I was online. I was looking at like the Home Depot and they'll tell you the stores they're at. And you could just see them as you start to refresh your browser every minute or so that that the stores where they had them would be would show as unavailable like literally in real time. Um, but you saw the importance of doing that. And so um, fortunately I was able to get, oh gosh, somebody on eBay, I was able to get a, a set of like, I think five or 10 masks or whatever it was. And it was so early that my father-in-law, who's a toxicology consultant, the guy's a scientist, he saw them and he didn't think they were real because they were those K95 masks, you know, the ones that look like you're in one of those weird cults, you know, the, with the, like the pointed one forward. And I was like, no, mm -hmm. no, no, no. They're the Chinese version. And he's like, oh, okay. Now you see them ever, everybody having them. But it, the importance of being ahead of the curve on that was important because like nobody had them and very few people were looking for them and they were all looking in the same place. So I think that was important to do that. Secondly, I remember early on, <clears throat> especially when they had, uh, I mean, as soon as they announced that they were closing down a lot of businesses for a couple of weeks, um, you know, we were actually eating at, where was it? The Broken Yoke. And it was right, I mean, it was like, oh gosh, it was probably like mid-March, like maybe it was around St. Patty's Day even. And it was, it was crazy because it was virtually empty. We were like one of three tables in the whole restaurant that actually had people there. And we're, think about that on a Saturday morning, having three tables being taken at the Broken Yoke was was a surreal experience because normally that place is packed. You have to wait a good 30 to 40 mm -hmm. minutes for a table. And, you know, that morning we were like, well, we just, we want to go. I was telling Wendy, I was like, it's really important. We got to support the restaurants in our area. And so we, you know, we're like, well, where do you want to go? And it's like, well, we're not going to go to a chain restaurant. We're not going to IHOP. Sorry about that. We're not going to any place that's corporately owned. Um, and so we started looking at, you know, certain local restaurants and, you know, we went to the Broken Yoke and we were talking about it then. And I said, yeah, from now on, I think it's, we got to look at places that have one location. 
So like if we got dinner or lunch or whatever, we you go pick up food at like one of the bear toe restaurants. Cause you know, the only people generally only have one location to those, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. But it was important to like, to be ahead of the curve and see things before they happen. Cause most people, they were in a very reactive mode and it's hard to do, but you kind of got to think of like, all right, if this keeps continuing, what is this spell, you know, for the future? Um, so I spent a lot of the year trying to figure out like, Based, you know, what's the what's the mass of humanity going to do um, if nothing changes? And then you want to kind of be there first, and you be the first mover um, to get in that spot. And so, you know, even you know, you make allusions to investing in the stock market. When I saw the stock market go down from like twenty nine thousand eight hundred to like what it was twenty thousand, nineteen thousand, or something like that, you know, I realized well most people are probably trying to get out of the stock market. <laughs> you know, this is the time to get in. And so that's when I actually started researching getting into the stock market. So, um, you know, that's one of the things I learned the importance of really trying to predict the near future based on like, if things continue to happen. So like, for example, if, if they, if, if they keep indefinitely extending these lockdowns and here in California, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of compared it to like, when I was in high school and we were doing baseball conditioning, we would run stairs in this building, right? Because it's like February in Cleveland. So it's freezing. Nobody wants to be outside. And they're like, all right, we're going to run five sets of the building stairs. And then they're like, no, we're going to run five more. And then you do five more. We're going to do five more. And it's like, all right, I I'm ready. I'm done with this. I'm going to kill this guy. If he says five more, one more time. And it's like, when people have an expectation that there's light at the end of the tunnel, uh, they'll put up, we'll put up with a lot of stuff generally as people, right? But when you move the goalposts, then people start to get a little bent out of shape. And so I think if you see, if you see this continue, I mean, past January, I think you're going to see some, like, you're going to see some crazy never before stuff happen in this state. I, I just fully believe that. Um, in fact, I was read this article yesterday. The governor's inner circle is now worried about the recall. Like they're, and the Democrats in the state legislature are ready to set, are ready to bury him, which is crazy. Which means he doesn't have any friends at all. So, um, but I think you're going to see a lot of crazy stuff happen. You're going to see, I think, restaurant blocks in mass to say we're reopening, and you're just going to have to fine us all. <laughs> I think that's going to happen. I think you're going to have a restaurant association mm. just kind of have a government strike in a sense where it's not closing, but it's like a reverse strike. I think you're going to see that happen because we're just like, look, we're, you know, we're either going to go out of business together or we're going to stay in business together. I think you're going to see that happen. Mm -hmm. um, also, it showed me that there's opportunities to, um, 2020 showed me there's opportunities to make money no matter the circumstances, um, but particularly in the turbulent times. And I don't necessarily mean bad times, I mean, it could be bad times, but turbulent times, times where people don't know what's going on. You have a novel pandemic. Um, you know, even in 2016, it was very similar because Trump was a, a novel president. There wasn't a guy that ever was president that was, you know, kind of like him, right? Um, good, bad, or indifferent people, you know, you had all kinds of economists saying the stock market was going to tank and, you know, Armageddon was coming. I mean, it was just, it was just a turbulent time. Nobody really knew. Nobody expected him to win. So, you didn't really know it was going to happen, but there's opportunities to make money no matter, you know, what the circumstances. Um, are there any particular lessons that you have that you've kind of taken from this year and are 
kind of moving forward with? Um, yeah, I guess there are opportunities to make money and there's certainly uh, uh, opportunities to lose money too. So being able to predict accurately and then take the risk that you might be wrong, um, it's pretty ballsy. Um, I tend to be risk averse. And of course, I'm a little bit older than you are. So my event horizon is uh, a little different. But uh, um, what have I learned? I've learned that the thing you think about the most is the thing that really becomes your reality. And so if you're thinking about a lot of negative stuff, um, your life tends, your whole perspective tends to be negative. If you think, if you're looking at possibilities and, and possible and positive things that could happen, then your life uh, is more open to possibilities and positive things happening. Uh, that sounds a bit trite, I guess, or maybe obvious, but <clears throat> I don't think that uh, you really know you really, know, I don't think you really know who you are until you are under, until you've been thoroughly challenged, and otherwise things be things are become very routine and uh, they become uh, very predictable and they uh, sort of become just like vanilla. And it, I, I think that there are some positive things that can come out of this negative terribleness that we call 2020. Um, and uh, it's best to look for the positive than to dwell on the negative. I guess that kind of sums it up in, in many ways. Yep. Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, that's a struggle for a lot of people. I mean, look at this, if this, I guess if this year has taught me anything, it's the importance of like, of mental health. I think it's reinforced mm -hmm than the fact that we're social animals, like we depend on each other, right? I mean, there's, there's some people that make an argument that putting somebody in solitary confinement is torture. <laughs> and yet, like, there's a lot of people around us that are sitting here alone, probably um, in very dark places, but we don't know because they're in their house all alone. We don't see them. And we're so used to not going out and seeing people, you know, and right. being in a meetup world prior to this, it's like, it was kind of cool. Like, you know, whatever, however many times a week you go out and you get to hang out with people that you knew you have a, either a business relationship or a friend relationship or a colleague relationship. And, you know, it's like, what it helps keep you sane. I mean, and then to have that taken away, it's like, it, it reinforces the importance of like, of mental health. And like, even for the best of people, it's like, you have to monitor yourself. Cause you could like, you could feel like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm doing really good. And then within a week you could just go down the toilet. Like it's amazing how, how fast that, you know, that happens. Um, so, but yeah, I guess. And the other thing I, I, I'd say probably pivoting off what you said was a sense of appreciation what you do have. And I'm, that's probably a little bit of what you were saying, but um, you know, whether it's business or personal or family you know, it's like people that have 80, you know, parents and in-laws that are in their 80s, 
it's like, okay, well, you know, I always value my time with my dad or whoever it is. But when you, you're wondering, you know, when's the next time you're going to see him, if you're going to see him again, that's a whole different ball game. You know, when you look at people, you talk about your event horizon, my, my dad's 83 years old, his event horizon is, you know, you don't need binoculars for it probably. And it's like, how important is family before? Oh, it's really important. But how important is it when you haven't seen your family for a year? Mm-hmm. Like then it's, you know, it's all of a sudden even more important. So um, let's talk about 2021. So um, sure. we have some lessons learned. We have some, you know, kind of things positive to take away. You know, it's obviously negative things we want to avoid. Um, 2021 look into next year. I just have some kind of thoughts I put together. Number one, and you had mentioned this before about people, you know, people losing their business or government helping them out, which I, I guess that's one of my, my lessons from 2020. I'll just throw the last one on is I have absolutely no trust in government or politicians whatsoever. You know, if I wasn't a liberal, a small L libertarian before I am now, <laughs> And, uh, you know, you look at these places and you realize that in the worst of times, the people who are tasked with helping us just don't, you know, yeah, they just don't. And it's like, you're on your own, period. You're just on your own and you got to figure it out. And so going into 2020, um, I would say that, you know, you had talked before about, you know, the same people that it's like the government's going to help them out. I just don't think they're going to help them out. And you said, what are going to happen to those businesses? And I, and the kind of thought that popped in my head, I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but I think the businesses are going to be there, but the same entrepreneurs owning them won't be. And what I mean by that is, let's say you're going down the street. I'm just (laughs) thinking, because this is my old, this is my old neighborhood. Let's say you're going down Garnet Avenue and PB. So there's strips of restaurants and businesses, particularly a lot of restaurants and if those restaurants bars. can't stay in business, well, not bars, but restaurants, mm-hmm. there's a lot of restaurants too. And True. Uh, if they're, if they there's live off not, their booze. Some do, some don't. But I mean, some just because it's right by the beach, you know, you have Kona's True. right by the pier. Um, oh, oh, I love Kona's. Yeah, Kona's is amazing. Um, but that restaurant may go under. And I think you're going to start to see in next year, you're going to see a commercial, re- like how. I was talking to a friend of mine who's actually in commercial real estate. Mm. And what, I, you know, I asked him, I'm like, are they going to repurpose the commercial real estate? And he goes, we don't know. And I think there's a lot of office space when, you know, when, it, when, they, when companies realize that you can have people at home and you can shrink your, real, your commercial real estate square footage and save money. Like, okay, what, what is that building owner going to do with the rest of the building? And I think you're going to see some repurposing like you haven't seen before as far as hmm. commercial real estate. Um, but I think restaurants might go under, but it's interesting for such a small, such a low margin industry. I mean, like if you own a restaurant, you're not going to get rich off that restaurant. I mean, you're going to make enough to get by, but you have to watch everything. You have to watch your inventory, your staffing, your distribution, your occupancy levels. I mean, you just have to watch everything. And it's like, you'll make a little bit of money, but people are in it because they, it's their dream to own a restaurant, not because it's this lucrative cash cow. And I think those restaurants are going to go under 
but there's going to be new entrepreneurs taking them over. I think in some instances, they're going to, it's going to be something similar to what we had back in 20 or in 20, 2008, um, where you have corporate interests taking over former mom and pops. So let's say, for example, that you had a freestanding restaurant on the corner that might be taken over by a chain. So like even an OB, um, Ocean Beach here in San Diego, there was, that's been a lot of what's going on over the last probably 20 years is you'll have big corporate things buying up mom and pop. So for example, you go into OB and you'll see big banks there. You'll see Chase and Bank of America and Wells Fargo. Well, those used to be home savings and <laughs> um, Pacific Bank, uh, Pacific Bank, something or other, but you're going to see a lot of them taken over. And then there was a, there was a, um, there was a consignment shop that turned into a target. <laughs> right. One of those mini targets, you know? And I think you're going to see that happen to some degree, but I think you're also going to see business owners who are going to take advantage of the lower real estate, the rent prices and probably rent terms. And you're going to see them take over businesses. I think if you like one business goes under and another person who happened to do well in the pandemic, right. But you know, they don't want to work in that corporate job anymore. They may decide they're going to open their own restaurant. So I think you're going to see them take over, but I don't think it's going to be the same business or the same business owner, but I think it's going to be the same type of business in a sense. So it's not like one sushi restaurant is going to take over for another sushi restaurant. But if a guy always wanted to open up a bar, <laughs> you know, he'll have his chance to do that, but they're just going to be different people. And, you know, so I think part of it's going to be there. I think, you know, this, the people that didn't survive now, you know, I think they're going to be taken over by people who kind of kept their powder dry. So I think that's mm -hmm. one of the things that's going to happen. Um, I still think there's lots of opportunities, um, you know, for individual business owners. You don't have to be a restaurant owner or food service or anything like that. But I think there's lots of opportunities. And I think coming out of a pandemic where there's all this pent up demand in general, um, I think you're going to see a lot of opportunities, but you really want to be the first one to move. And I think when it comes to the reopening part of it, um, I think that's where that's where the opportunities lie. So like here in San Diego, it's a big vacation destination. I think when people start to fly and come here, they're going to stay at hotels or Airbnbs or wherever. Um, but having an opportunity to be kind of have your powder dry and have opportunities for, you know, to open a business when things reopen having your messaging right, having what you're offering um, be right is going to be a big, big thing. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting, but I, I, you know, what the opportunities are, I don't know, you know, all the opportunities, but I just know there's going to be a ton of them because people have an itch to get out. They have an itch to be social. <laughs> um, they have an itch to travel. I mean, that's the big thing. Like there's a lot of people that just, traveling was a big part of their life. And now they, this year is like, was just kind of the cork in the bottle and they couldn't do it. And I think when things start to open up, you're going to see people really go out of their way to travel. So, and I was telling mm -hmm. my wife, I was like, one of the stocks I have in my portfolio is a company that owns the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville. <laughs> they do a lot of like country music entertainment things in, in Tennessee. And I was like, yeah, are you kidding me? Everybody within 500 miles that wants to, you know, loves country music is going to be flocking to Nashville. When Nashville reopens officially, um, I mean, you're going to, you won't even be able to get tickets to anything. Those concerts are probably going to be sold out for a year. 
you know, and every, mm-hmm. everywhere they go. So um, assuming nobody bombs Nashville again, <laughs> but um, I think that's going to be one of them, but you really have to start thinking now what it's going to look like, what you want to do and how to prepare. Because I think if you're trying to figure out what your opportunity is in the moment, it's going to be too late. But if you're trying to figure out oh, what course. you want to do, within it, then I think it's going to, um, you know, it requires forethought. Again, trying to figure out what's going to happen in the near future. Are you going to be a negative person who thinks people aren't just going to travel, which I think is crazy? Um, or mm. do you think people are just going to go out of their way? Like my wife even said, yeah, she goes, when this pandemic ends, she goes, we want to take Sophia, her 14-year-old, we want to take her to Disney World. That's the one in Orlando. <laughs> she's already thinking about it. She goes, she's never been to Disney World. And it's like, that's a, you got to go there. And if my wife is thinking that, like, I can't even imagine all these people that have timeshares that haven't been able to use them or, you know, retirees, once they get vaccinated, that they, you know, their whole life was going on cruises two to three times a year. Um, but there's going to be opportunities for that. So, uh, and then the last thing that I was thinking of, um, was, and again, this is just the optimist in me. There's lots of areas to buy low to make money. You know, obviously one area there still is, um, the stock market. So if you haven't gotten the stock market or even Bitcoin, um, it's, it's nowhere near too late. I mean, I'm, I can tell you right now with my portfolio, most of my upside is still to come. So if you mm-hmm. haven't gotten the stock market and it's something you want to do and you're thinking, oh, it's too late, it's not. Um, I think restaurants are important. I think part of that's going to be if like, if somebody decides they want to open up a restaurant, there's been no better time to negotiate a lease with your landlord because that landlord, you'll probably be the only one paying them rent. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but obviously it's like, you want to get it set up and, you know, again, it's a little bit of betting on timing to some degree, but, um, if you can do that, you're probably going to get better rent terms than anybody else. They were saying in New York city, the rent for an apartment has dropped 25%. In San Francisco, wow. it's dropped 30 year over year, the average price of a rental of an apartment. Um, right. So I think if you're, if you're willing to, <clears throat> if you have confidence that you know what you're doing and you always want to open up a restaurant, there's probably been ne- never been better terms for getting, um, you know, rental you know deal on your rent terms on your rent distribution agreements things like that um and then for those who are you know want to get into real estate you know the big thing that you're seeing right now is you're seeing you know that congressional bill went through and i personally hate the bill i think it was terrible in a lot of respects there's some good things in there but um i always like to say it's a pan full of dog poo with a little bit of brownie mixed in but one of the things that's in there is they had a moratorium on federally backed mortgages. So it doesn't apply to everybody as far as a moratorium on, on eviction. So it doesn't apply to everybody. So like I have a commercial loan and I have tenants, so it doesn't apply to me. But if you have a, a Fannie Mac or Freddie Mac backed loan, you cannot evict your tenants. Mm-hmm. They won't let you, which sucks for the landlord. Like if you're a mom and pop landlord, because you can't evict these people, they're not paying rent. You still have property taxes due. Mm -hmm. You still have electricity due. You still got to pay the people that maintain your property for you. And at some point in time, and it's different for everybody, you know, it's going to be something where they need to sell. And I've been watching, um, I have a couple apps on my phone. I've been watching the rental real estate and I see, I see one of the things I see 
I don't see the end. Of, it's interesting. I haven't seen like one property for sale, right? But I see people, I see people with packages of properties selling. So like, I'll go on the commercial real estate one and it's not like, okay, this house is for sale. I'll go on Redfin, this house is for sale. There's not a lot of that. Um, in the nicer areas, in the poorer areas, I'm starting to see a lot more houses for sale, but I've started to see on the commercial side, people that are selling, it says like a package of 15 properties. And you have these mm. people that basically can't afford to keep these properties up and they're unloading their entire portfolio. So, you know, right. if you're, if I went in and I said, I want to make a bid on those properties, I probably would be the only one. I'd probably be one of the only people even offering a bid. <laughs> right. So if you're looking to get into rental, you know, real estate for rental purposes, I'm telling you, I think it's just in the beginning. I think it's, a, it's not quite ripe yet, but I think probably in three to four months, um, there's probably going to be an insane deal, maybe for even three to six months. There's probably going to be some absolutely crazy, insane deals where you can basically just, you know, take it off people's hands for almost nothing. So, mm -hmm. but I think there's definitely opportunities there for sure. So what are, what are your thoughts going into 2021? Well, I'm hearing, I'm starting to hear a lot about the, the coronavirus mutating and, uh, and a new strain of it uh, that is starting to spread. So uh, I don't believe that the, uh, this vaccine uh, can take care of this new strain, although they can come up with another one. But if we see a situation where there's a, uh, everybody starts to get vaccinated and then this new strain starts to take off, uh, it's going to be, it's going to change the whole game, I think. Uh, you can't have a situation where you're vaccinating the entire population of the, of the country, much less the world, every 45 days because another strain of this thing has, has emerged. And I don't know exactly what the, what the unknown effects of this vaccine being given to everybody. Uh, it might be, again, that the that the the virus will mutate, or it might be a lot of side effects from the from the vaccine. Um, so even though I say let's be positive, uh, I I do feel there's a lot of question marks and X factors that have yet to to really manifest. Uh, so we might be talking about a, a different world uh, where a lot of the a lot of the uh, the things that we uh, that we count on uh, are not going to be the way that we that they have been, um, and nobody's going to really know what's what's going to be happening. So I don't see uh, uh, you know I don't see a lot of uh, evidence for pent up demand uh, when. A lot of people are unemployed and a lot of people are, have gotten into the, uh, a different lifestyle and a different way of doing things uh, because this thing has gone on for years. Um, so 
I, uh, I, I don't feel like uh, there's a lot of uh, good news on the horizon, to be honest with you. And uh, really people don't. are going to be hunkering down and so forth. Yeah. No. Well, I, I'm actually kind of surprised at that because I think if you look at people like there's, I think it depends on the market, like depends on the segment. So where coronavirus has really hit yeah. people for the most part is the service sector. So you look at people that are mm -hmm. in hotels and restaurant staff, people that are making generally between, I don't know, seven to $15 an hour, maybe. I think that's where it's kind of hit mm -hmm. people the most. And and whereas you look at people who are, they said anybody who's making, who made over $80,000 a year last year is making more money this year than they did the prior year. <clears throat> and so I think for those really? people, okay. Mm -hmm, oh yeah. Yeah. And I, and I get it. Like if yeah. I was sitting here working from home there, you know, the odds are I'm probably going to be working more hours. Um, they have, mm -hmm. you know, it could be any number of things, but <clears throat> from the labor department, they actually said that like a couple months ago that, People were making the because they, they can look at um, tax withholdings and get a sense on where people are at. And the people who are over 80,000 are making more money this year than they did last year. <clears throat> um, yeah. So I think if, if it's one of these things where <clears throat> you're in the former group where, you know, you've been unemployed for five to six months, like one of my neighbors like that, he works as a he's a server in a restaurant and he does Uber yeah, you're not liking life that much. I'm guessing that his in-laws are, are probably paying most or footing most of the bills to get them through. Um, I, I would agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. I would say those aren't the people that are going to be booking, you know, Disneyland vacations, right? But I think the people who have managed to get through, I think a lot of people who are like the office staff and people that are cooped up, they haven't taken any vacation time this year like they're building up vacation mm -hmm. time, they're going to have a ridiculous amount of vacation um, accrued on their, on their books. And I think as a company, you're going to start to see people take a lot more vacation time next year. They're going to have to allow more flexibility for that just for like employee retention and goodwill and things like that. But those people are going to have money to spend and they're going to want to get out. I think you look at the people who, again, we want to look at segments. So Service sector, I 100% agree with you. I don't think they're going anywhere, right? But if you look at somebody who's 65 to 70 years old, they just got vaccinated. Everything's opening up. Europe's opening up. Cruises are opening up. There's nothing. You're not going to get sick because you got vaccinated. And your life before COVID was three to four cruises a year. <laughs> I mean, this was your retirement, right? Yeah. This is how you wanted to spend your retirement years. Um, they're definitely going. Like, that's not a question. In fact, they talked to the, one of the guys, I want to say it was Carnival, is they said their cruises are booked through 2023. Hmm. They're fully booked. Hmm. So, you know, I think when it comes to that, I think you're going to see, again, I don't think they may be the same restaurants open. You might have new restaurant owners. But when things start opening up, especially in a city like San Diego here or where I used to live in Miami, Miami's even crazier. Like it's the, the income um, distribution is just so much more varied there. You either have a lot of money in Miami or you don't have any money in Miami. And so I'd say when, when things start opening up and cruises start docking at the Port of Miami or in Port Everglades and Fort Lauderdale, um, there's a lot of back-end downstream businesses that are going to be happening, whether it's hotels, maids, cleaning staff, restaurants, mm -hmm. 
the buffets might take a little bit while to get people to want to do the buffets. Um, but taxis, Ubers, um, you know, you look at places like SeaWorld, Old Town here in San Diego. I think when people come in, they're just going to, they just want to be out and they just want to be around people. I think in certain cities, that's going to be the case. Obviously, if you're in like Duluth, Minnesota, maybe it's, you know, there's not a lot of tourism going on, but anybody who made it through, I think is probably going to value being able to travel and be mobile and being out amongst people. Um, you're going to have a bunch of, this is the other thing is the whole music industry screwed. If you're a musician, you haven't made money in a year. Like True. you haven't toured. And entertainment, uh, you know, not just, not just musicians, but theater, you know, right. the entertainment in general. I mean, they have, first of all, when we talk about theaters, they have, they have a, just a bunch of blockbuster movies that are sitting here that were supposed to release, be released this year that haven't been released this year. So they have that Top Gun movie. Um, they have, what is it? They have a, a Fast and the Furious movie that's supposed to come out. And there's a whole bunch of stuff just waiting because it's a, it's a $300 million movie and they're not going to sit here and put it on HBO Max and just take their loss. So I think that's going to be happening. I think the movie theaters, when things open up, are going to explode. I think they're going to go up because the movies are crazy. There's, a, I think there's a there's a Marvel Avengers movie that's in the can as well. Um, so I think mm. it depends on the population. Certain parts of the population, you're right. Yeah, I think if you have if you lost your job and you don't have money and you haven't paid rent and they're evicting you from your home, then yeah, I say you're probably not the vacationer. But anybody else who has managed <laughs> to be there, let's say you're a, somebody who has a government job who is on a pension. I yeah. think those people probably haven't been affected all that much. Um, but you're going to see a lot of probably people within, not. within sectors of the economy that there's going to be a tremendous amount of pent up demand. I mean, the cruise industry is crazy. I mean, yeah. they're booked for two and a half years. They're sold out. Carnival is like the only way you're going to get a, mm. uh, the only way you're going to get a ticket is they have to actually get a new ship to, to book. <laughs> But the existing ships they already have are at 100% bookings right now for two and a half years, two years. I mean, that's crazy, unbelievably wow. crazy. That, that, and everybody, every, really and, and if you've ever been on a cruise, everybody who's been, everybody who had their cruise canceled this year, they don't give you your money back. They give you a, a they give you a voucher for another cruise. Sure. So everybody who lost their cruise this year is being pushed into another cruise. Mm. So. Um, yeah, so it's, I think it just depends, but um, I, I just tend to think people are relatively resilient. I think there's going to be, a, to your point, though, there's a lot of people that are going to be permanently hurt for a long time. And I think, you know, the question is, do they learn from it? Are they able to bounce back? Um, you know, kind of what happens? With, I wonder what happens to that population. Like, if I guess, what, yeah. what, would, what would happen to the people, the people who got hammered in 2008, who lost their house and lost you know, pretty much everything. What kind of, what happened with them? I'm just well, kind of, I'm trying to, first I'm trying to became, think through right now. Either homeless, they either became homeless or they became renters or they found some way to get on the government dole, you know, in some way, a subsidized housing situation or, uh, or, or God knows what, welfare or something. <laughs> something saved them from being homeless or they became renters and, uh, you know, I do think there's going to be some opportunities for 
people with a ton of money uh you know hedge funds and and people with uh incredible resources to go in and and buy cheap on the you know buy buy uh, uh, at a fire sale you know so to speak um and that's what happened after 2008 um uh, the uh the uh, you know the 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 hedge funds and big corporate entities went in and 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 bought a ton you know uh, just an amazing amount of real estate uh, knowing that they could hang on to it until things got better and they did and uh, you know they made a they made a, they're making a lot of money making a lot of money but uh, the idea of uh, you know the average person. Um, having a home and, uh, and, and living a, a decent life, uh, a lot of it just went by the wayside um, from, for so many people. And it's sad and it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's extremely challenging, extremely difficult. And I think there was a lot of emotional trauma uh, that resulted as a, because of it. And in many ways, um, a lot of that is very difficult to measure. You know, you can measure it in the suicide rates. You can measure it in the number of people that become uh, substance uh, abusers and addicts. And uh, and it's just sort of disappeared. They're not even on the radar anymore. Uh, or maybe they became criminals and ended up in, in prison or something. Uh, so uh, there's going to be some, some, some side effects of this thing. And I, I think that if... I mean, if you want to be positive, you can be positive about it. I think things are going to get a little bit better, but they may not. I don't think they're going to get. In, uh, uh, they're never going to be back to, to to the trajectory they were before. Okay. Um, it's going to be sort of like the Challenger uh, disaster. You know, <laughs> it, it, it nobody's. They're not going to be sending people up in the in the space shuttle for a while. They're going to have to regroup. They're going to have to. Our society as a whole, okay, our society in general is going to have to look at doing things differently and doing things in a different way. And it's going to take, it could take, I think it could take five to 10 years for, for, uh, for people to, to adjust and, uh, and uh, create this, the new normal. So I don't think it's going to be, I think if, if this, COVID uh, mutates and becomes another, it becomes an issue, or then all of a sudden there could be another situation. We may, who knows, could, could be the beginning of World War III. And, uh, we just don't know what's going to happen out there. And I, I think that, uh, that, uh, that all we can do is, is uh, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. That's really, you know, um, and I uh, think I, I, depending I, on your age uh, and your situation, it's going to be a different story for you. Yeah, I think one of the things that, and again, you break it into different groups. I think, I think there's definitely the longer it goes on, I think the more kind of psychological scarring there's going to be, and there's no question about that. Um, you know, I, I look at certain groups, and it's like you look at people that graduated college in May or June, and they just haven't been able to get a job. Right? It's like the worst time ever to graduate college, and. Uh, <clears throat> You know, so you come in next year, the people that are graduating college this May, and in a sense, you have two graduating classes, presuming everything's open, 
applying for the same jobs. Mm. But then you look at it from the supply side, from the company, and you say, okay, well, this company, like, and we talked about this before, like if you went to HR a year or two ago and said, hey, I want to work from home. Can I just work from home instead of come in the office? They're going to say no. And the next time you ask is hell no. And the next time you ask is get out of my office, <laughs> you know, and, and, and just it generally was like, you had to be a really, really special person because they didn't want to set the precedent and all of a sudden have 30 people asking to work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll, they'll eat the, the, they'll eat the real estate costs, but they just want everybody here so they can kind of know where they're at and have accountability over them. <clears throat> but now they're kind of forced to, right. They're forced to play a different game. And I think it still comes back to the point where it's like the really good employees, they're going to, they're going to be able to stay at home and they're going to be able to call their shot. The medium employees are probably, it's going to be where the decision's made. And then the people that didn't perform well during the pandemic, they're just probably, if they already haven't let them go, they're going to let them go. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're going to see companies having to learn to, to, to manage with less, unless they're a really fat, a quick growing company you know, let's say you had a head count of 200. Now you can know you can manage with 130. Well, you're going to manage with 130. Of course. You know, and they've already, um, and so I think with that respect, it's like people that are grad, I think there's going to be less mobility probably in the next five years. You know, people aren't just mm-hmm. going to go from one company to the next because of that. Um, I think getting into, getting a job is going to be harder. I mean, how do you do internships when you're not even there? Think about that. Like if you're in a job, like anything where you want to have an internship going in, whether it's finance or broadcasting or whatever, how do you do that? Like yeah. you couldn't, nobody's intern this year. So I think that's going to be a hard part of it. And I think, yeah, I just think it's going to be, I think it's going to be different. We're not going to go back to what we had before. It's not going to be exactly the same that I, I, you can't do that. But I do think it's going to be, I think, I always think it's going to be different. And the only the one that I ever, the only thing that we can directly compare it to, although it's not the same, was the pandemic of 1918, the Spanish flu. Now, the thing about that, though, is that went through, they had their second wave, just like we're going through right now. And the second wave was worse than the first wave. Um, but what happened with that one is that two things happened, which is kind of interesting. And I can't guarantee that either of these two are going to happen here is number one, the disease just kind of went away. Now we didn't get a vaccine for it. It's not eradicated. They still think it's It's around and it mutated and it stuck around forever, but never at an epidemic or pandemic level. Um, Mm -hmm. And it came back through, I mean, it was in Europe and it came back because soldiers came back to the U S as they rotated in and out of world war one and it spread as they Mm -hmm. came back. Now, the one thing they did is they did a lot of things like certain places did mandatory masks and, you know, certain cities shut down and certain cities stayed open. It's very similar to what we have right now, like St. Louis shut down, Philadelphia stayed open or maybe it was vice versa. And um, Mm -hmm. back when St. Louis was actual an important city, um, (laughs) which it's not anymore. Um, But what happened is what most people don't realize is they look back at 1919 and it was a really turbulent time. And I, I heard somebody else talk about this the other day. The, the election of 19, first of all, in 1919, there was emotional scarring over World War I because they'd never had a war like that before. I mean, a completely 
global sure. war. And at the same time, you had a massive pandemic going on. So it was like war and pestilence all mm. at the same time. And mm. the one thing that did have, that's very similar to now, except for the war part, the one thing that didn't happen was the government, the federal government wasn't really involved in it. It was a very hands-off government, like way different than now. Mm. And they went through what's called, mm -hmm. they call it back, they, I don't know if they called it back then, but the, today they refer to 1919 as the hidden uh, the hidden depression. And they right. went through a big depression because it was the end of world war one. There was a lot of death. There was a lot, you know, there was a pandemic and people were coming out of it. I'm sure there was emotional scarring going on. And for a year it was terrible. I mean, it was just absolutely terrible. And then 1920 came along and that was when, was it, uh, it wasn't Woodrow Wilson. He was earlier. It was um, Calvin Coolidge. Right. When he ran for president, and I don't know if you remember, his slogan was return to normalcy, which I will tell you, English language experts hate that because normalcy is not a word. Normality is the word. Mm -hmm. Like abnormality. There's no such thing as abnormalcy. Um, mm -hmm. And the whole idea was we're going to take the last five years, six years from World War One and the pandemic and the hidden depression that they went through, and we're just going to get back to normal. And what happened then? And by the way, 1919 was the end of the dead ball era in baseball. They had a guy, baseball got hit in the forehead with a ball in the batter's box and died on the spot on the field. Ooh. And they used to have, they used to not have any standards for the ball because the ball would be all muddy and the batter couldn't see it coming. And so that was the year that they, they mandated that all the baseballs had to be clean and in 1920, you had Calvin Coolidge, The Return of Normalcy. You had Babe Ruth um, set the record with 27 home runs. The previous record was nine, nine. Um, and then what happened was the Roaring Twenties. So I think mm -hmm. it's, you know, you look at one of these things and, <clears throat> you know, I hear people starting to talk about it more. And I just think that people are so sick of this reality that they just will do anything to get out of it. <clears throat> and I think mm -hmm. the more opportunity, right now, I think that's how people feel, but there's just not opportunities because in the big cities and the big states, they just, they're all shut down. But when you start to th see things open up, people just want to get out of it. They want to burn 2020. They want to just forget about it. They want to, I mean, there's going to be mask burning parties at some point in time. Um, I'm over Zoom already. This is the only thing I do Zoom for is, is this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I'm over zoom. If I get a meetup thing and they say, we're going to meet over zoom. I just don't go. I won't go. I'm just over it. I'm done. And I think people are at that zoomed point. Out. We just, You're zoomed out. I'm zoomed out, but we don't have an opportunity for an alternative. But I think once the opportunities arise, you're going to see people flock to those. Um, and we'll see. I, I think, you know, you look at Joe Biden being president and I'd say one of the big things you talk about an opportunity is the EV market's going to go through the roof. You know, you look at what happened when Obama and Biden were in office, they, they were giving all kinds of subsidies to solar panel and renewable energy. I don't think I think that's intensified, if anything. And I think you're going to see a lot more demand for EV cars versus, you know, fuel guzzlers. Mm -hmm. um, I think the price of oil is going to be kind of low <laughs> for the reasonable future. Um mm -hmm. But anyway, I just I just think that in, in a lot of respects, it won't be the same 
but I think people are, if people were, if, if it was like an episode of black mirror, right. Where people were just kind of, okay, this is how it is. I've accepted it. Life's not going to get any better. I have no desire to even try. Let's just move on. I'd be on board with you. And I'd say, look, it's probably not going to get any better. This is how it's going to be. But I, I just, I get this level. I get the sense of angst where people are just sick of being stuck in their house. They're sick mm-hmm. of not being around their friends. They're sick of not seeing their family people that love to travel, haven't been able to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just think that that level of angst, they're not accepting this as an acceptable reality. And I think that when opportunities arise, they're going to take it. Um, but speaking of the black mirror guy, they asked him at the beginning, I think it was in March or April, they asked him if he was, you know, cause they hadn't made a black mirror in like nine, 10 months, an mm-hmm. episode. And they asked him, he said, Hey, when are you putting out your next episode? And you know what he said? he said no i'm not i'm not making any more episodes he goes we're living in my we're living in black mirror right now why would i want to make some more of it (laughs) so they haven't made one since what 2019 i think was the last time yeah i guess so yeah so but i don't know but it's it's one of these things where it's like in the end whether you're right or i'm right or there's a mix of the two i think we're both sitting at a roulette wheel Mm -hmm. and the the Mm -hmm. wheel's spinning and the wheel's spinning and the question is <clears throat> the, the question is are we going to put our Sorry. the question is are we going to put the bar are we going to bet on red or are we going to bet on black whatever one's you know you're black mm-hmm. or i'm black or whatever it is <laughs> and that's kind of where things are going but i think it goes down to a point of like you know how well are you able to understand what's going on and what people are going to do and then part of it you have you have x factors out there so like Let's say that you're right. And, and I don't know if anybody really knows the truth of this yet, unless you're mm-hmm. like a super expert. But mm-hmm. let's say that mutation becomes something that becomes a big problem. It's like the 12 right. monkeys scenario. Well, that's a problem. Well, what happens? And I was talking to somebody about this a few days ago. What happens if there's another pandemic next year? Something totally mm-hmm. different. Right. You know, you right. got the left hook and then you got the right hook coming. Mm-hmm. Um you know, what's going to happen? Who knows? Right. What happens if a war breaks out? I mean, think about this, all this instability internationally, I'm surprised there hasn't been a war yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, not between nuclear powers, but it's kind of crazy. Like you almost would expect it like in a turbulent time like this. Mm, Maybe, you know, I have a feeling like things are so bad. Nobody wants to make it worse. So it's kind of like, yeah, we'll have a war, but let's let's get the world back to a point where, <laughs> you well, know, it makes sense the, to have a war. Remember in the Great Depression, right? And smack dab in the middle of the Great Depression, mm-hmm. Hitler invaded Czechoslovakia. Mm. So you just maybe at a time when the, the other, you know, who knows? I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's like, right. I mean, we don't have a Hitler. I don't know. I mean, maybe we have a Hitler out there. I don't know, but um, mm. I'm just surprised. You had brought it up the war thing. I'm like, those those things kind of go hand in hand. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think Scotland should attack Ireland for uh, for old times' sake. Maybe France and England should have like artillery battles over the English Channel. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, just keep it interesting. Sure, why not? Yeah, let's let's you know, let's let's start a war with people that we that are our main 
trading partners and let's start with the war with people that provide us with all the stuff that we kind of need. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think if there's going to be, if there's going to, you know, you've got Russia and, and, and the Baltics and the Ukraine, there, there's some stuff that could happen there very easily. I think that's a powder keg. You've got the Middle East and Iran. Um, anything can happen. Anything can happen. So this isn't necessarily war per se, but I'll ask you since you spent time there growing up is uh, what's your thought of Brexit, the Brexit thing going on? Um, my thought is that it, that, that, that England is an island and always wants to be an island <laughs> as a result. Uh, you know, they're kind of just living in this, this, you know, in a sort of a, a different world than the rest of the, uh, of Europe in that sense. And, uh, and uh, I, I think that they, they made a decision, a uh, kind of a hasty decision uh, based on public opinion, which I don't know if is always a good thing. Um, and uh, as a result, now they, 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 they've made a commitment. It's like, you know, uh, being in a relationship and then uh, and then deciding you want to unravel it, it, it takes it. Ta it's not going to unravel very easily. So I think they're going to eventually come to some kind of an agreement and they're going to call it the fulfillment of Brexit. But in reality, what it will be is kind of like the uh, end user license agreement that you agree to when you join Facebook. You know, oh, it's that's going terrible. to be like, is it yeah, going to be that bad? I think it's going to be bad. Yes, I think it's going to be bad. It's going to be, here's what you think it's going to be. And here's what it really is. 8,000 pages of documentation, you know, on every little thing. So uh, I think the politicians of in, in Great Britain have basically decided that they're going to create something that can pass for Brexit. But in reality, it'll just be another version of what they had before with just more verbiage. And uh, that, that's my opinion. That's what I think it'll be. So I have one more question for you. Why is mm -hmm. it that Boris Johnson never combs his hair? The same it looks like he wakes that... up, rides his bike, <laughs> doesn't have a helmet on, gets there, and just is kind of how it is. Uh, I think he, he feels that it's his, his, his image. His image is to be uh, kind of a loose cannon uh, sort of, and the hair represents that. The hair represents his, his non-conformity, his non-political politicalness, uh, you know, just like Trump has his style of hair, you know, uh, which he yes. finally got cut. A style properly. that no, did he really? Well, I think he did. I think he went from, you know, from what it was before, which, looked like you know a bad toupee to what it is now I, i'm sure that the president of the united states can get a decent haircut you know but if the wind's blowing all bets are off yeah no 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 i just surprised that like he actually got it cut because he's a he has a haircut that literally no one else in the world has <laughs> I, mean, I mean whether you like him or not if you don't admit that you're just lying to yourself like <laughs> Like, let's just be honest. He has a one, like nobody ever goes into a barber shop. And again, whether you like him or not, nobody ever says, I want this. That, a pic, there's a picture of him in the barber shop, and people point to it and say, yeah, that's, that's a style I want. Yeah, like him and Boris Johnson. Like, I, I just never understood that. 
Yeah, um, I think it's just a look. You know, it's the look that they decided to go with, and uh, they don't want to. They don't want to change it because if they change it, then everybody's going to point to them and say, "Oh, why did you change it?" You know, it's kind of like you know when the person is walking and they they slip and they look awkward, and they go, "Oh, I meant to do that." You know. <laughs> well, I was always I was curious about the Brexit thing in general, just because I I, I just never I was the, I was the pessimist. Like, were you pessimistic about next year? I was pessimistic about Brexit. I just think I didn't think it was ever going to happen. I was shocked mm-hmm. when they announced it, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, I just thought it was interesting, you know, that they actually solved the Irish border thing, which was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Not that anybody cares about that, but they stuck it to Northern Ireland. So we're kind of happy about that. The Northern Ireland people are not very happy right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, uh, what amazes to me, if you ever watch any history stuff and I do tend to watch that on Netflix and prime, I I like to watch documentary documentaries about stuff that has happened in history and so forth with uh, various experts pontificating on, well, this happened and that happened and this is why and that's why. It, it, it seems like some of these, uh, some of these things have been going on for centuries and centuries, if not thousands of years. And it's just, it's mind boggling really when you think about it, uh, that we live in this modern day, modern age and uh, people are still upset about stuff that happened a, a thousand years ago or two. <laughs> years ago so it's amazing how how long grudges can be kept you know oh yeah oh yeah like and i can relate to that india and pakistan are like you killed my great 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 grandfather well, not that many greats, but yeah, I mean, I mean, but I mean that they've been they've been fighting over that mountain range forever. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, and but the I British like are always see- sticking their nose in there and saying, "Well, we'll how about if we take it over?" And uh, and then you've got Russia, and you uh, that is such a weird region that so many of these uh, imperialistic powers and powers that be are, are are clamoring because they want the source of the. They want the source of all the water that's flowing and uh, in the, you know, in the mountain ranges, it becomes uh, the Ganges and it becomes this and that. And, and China, 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 you know, they're China. in there huge, building huge. roads and bridges. China, it's a huge country and they're <laughs> screwing us. We're getting screwed. Huge. <laughs> I do want to see if, if when Trump leaves office, I just want him to go the whole um, Nixon route and just say, you won't have me to kick around anymore. Oh, that's not going to happen. No, but I'm just saying that like, that's something that only he would have said. He's got to come up with something funny like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I think he will. Uh, we can count on him coming up with some funny, weird shit. That's one thing you can count on. Yeah, uh, It's just the people that follow him that I find amazing. Because they're, some of them are just so middle class, you know, um, middle class, regular average citizens. And yet all you have to do is get them started on a couple of couple of issues and they turn into 
the craziest uh, conspiracy theorists that you can imagine. And I, I just find it's like you're scratching the surface of normalcy and, and, uh, and, and one millionth uh, of an inch beyond below the surface is this complete wackadoodle, insane uh, stuff that, that you can't imagine that people would actually fall for, you know. Well, I think one of the things one of the things that's interesting again, whether you like Trump or not, um, something that he did, which I think will probably be one of his lasting legacies, is he actually flipped the um, the orientation of the two political parties. So normally the Democrats mm-hmm. were always known for like you know the little people, and the Republicans were for the pinky near people, right? And right. it's like now the Democrats went after, and I think part it wasn't because of Trump necessarily, but after that Citizens United thing back in 2010, where you could accept any amount of money in the world for a super PAC, the Democrats went, ah, the heck with you little people. We're going to go after Wall Street and the big donors. And Trump comes in and, like you said, the middle class, the unions, the steel jobs, the people that work in mines, all of a sudden, it's like the Republicans, it's finally started to understand. I'm like, we can actually compete with the Democrats if we go after the people we never went after before. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next four to six years in the elections, because I don't I don't think they can ever those two parties can ever go back to normal. No, there will no be. We're going to get to the point here where there will no, not be a thing we call normal. There will be no normal. There will only be wild fluctuations from uh, the the insane, uh, unpredictable, crazy, uh, which is sort of like insane, crazy, unpredictable, uh, worst case scenario to another crazy, unpredictable, worst case scenario. <laughs> right. I, you know what? And I think that's probably the best place to leave off because I, yes. think, you're, I think you and I agree on that. Is we're in we're in store for you think that was weird? Wait till yeah. you see this. And then Hold you see that beer. was weird. Hold yeah. my beer. Okay. That's gonna be the next four years in general, maybe six years. It's oh. gonna be the hold my hold my beer, take off my jacket, let's go out in the alleyway. <laughs> Settle this. Oh, dude, you're right. Like that, that's for certain what's gonna happen. Yeah. This is gonna be the full hold my beer decade. Yeah. So it, it's been, I, I got to say, it's been fun, Matt, uh, do, doing these podcasts and, uh, and uh, whatever happens, uh, we'll have something to say about it in the future. And uh, I encourage our listeners, hang in there, hang in there, my friends, and, uh, and look to us for at least a little bit of humor and uh, a lot of pro- prognostication and some good evaluation. And we'll be there for you. Feel free to get in contact with us at any time if you want. Yeah, uh, and I'll tell you what, coming up, it's, it's going to be crazy. And like Al said, you're going to need us to make sense of the world. Um, <laughs> and for those who are, are, are uh, insiders or premium members, we have our bonus content, which we're going to be releasing every so often, where we kind yes. of go into great depth about it. But uh, yeah, if you think we're going back to the old normal where it's boring and typical and yeah. just everything yeah. operates, you know, as it was, good luck with that. That's not happening anymore. You have now <laughs> just strapped yourself into the scariest roller coaster ever released. <laughs> and uh, we're all in on this ride together. So as we go into 2021, 
Enjoy your New Year's. Don't get a DUI before the end of the year. God. And uh, we have some fun coming up next year, regardless whether it's funny, fun, positive, negative, whether it's great news or new, terrible news. Um, yeah. We're going to have a fun next year. So tell your friends about this podcast. Make sure you subscribe, uh, share it on social media, and uh, we'll see you in the beginning of next year. So my name is Matt. I am Al. And we will see you in 2021. Have a great New Year's. Thank you for joining us today on the Halcyon Horn podcast. You've just taken the crucial step to finally take control of where your life is going by joining us on the road to entrepreneurship. The path to your new amazing destiny has only just begun. You're already ahead of 99% of the people around you because you're finally taking control of your life and making the choice to claim your new destiny. We'd love to help you in any way we can along your journey. So take a minute to reach out to us. You'll find our contact information in the show notes. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as the newest episode drops. And if you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, what are you waiting for? Don't wait. Do it now. Can't wait to meet up for our next episode, and we'll see you soon.